0: So blast off that last cough, expelled with some white froth, it's sick, oh poor thing, you must feel awful. Sip straws, men, drink ale, snort, ginger, chug all the boiling broth, gender, stereotyping, my life ain't controlled by doll. You must be bonkers, that mustn't give me a doctor, that would be Donkey Kong's, a surgeon, how to cut off long fur. Suddenly I'm wrongly heard, feel like I'm a cheese curd, headed to become a blur turd, wouldn't you know a free bird? This is
1: Crescendo. The
0: Crescendo Podcast official disclaimer, this podcast is not designed to offend, hurt, mentally damage, or in any way harm your well-being. The ideas released in this podcast are open to the world and welcome to interpretation. My hope is that it allows you to further solidify what you believe. Take a stance. Welcome to Crescendo Podcast. I'm Maywood. Music is a part of our culture as humans. Our culture has intimate connections with the music we listen to. Music is influenced by and influences everyone daily. Our demand for music is such that it seems natural to have a supersaturated industry of artists where the household-name-level artists control most of the industry. Just like anything that our culture demands like jeans or ketchup, only a few manufacturers control the vast majority of the industry. Do you even hunts, bro? The gap between that 0.1% of artists and everyone else is ever-growing thanks to the rise of streaming services. You can sure bet that I use Spotify, because it's just too sweet of a deal. But my usage of the service is causing a growing disparity between the uber-powerful and the indie bands. Now this is simultaneously true and untrue. While the household names continue to get bigger, indie bands have a chance to release music without the burden of a record label. The internet and access to streaming services have done immense good to music, providing ways of creating and sharing music like never before. All my online friends who produce electronic music would never have been signed to an actual record deal, because most of them are still in school with no real interest in performing and computers weren't even invented. The onset of the internet has given birth to new art forms and subgenres. Many of those who follow music news remember the Apple Music fiasco in 2015. When Apple announced the streaming service Apple Music, not to be confused with iTunes, the digital purchases store. Taylor Swift threatened to pull her music from the service because the company planned to give a three-month free trial without paying compensation to artists. As soon as Taylor sent the open letter to them, Apple had an emergency meeting and decided to pay artists for tracks played during those first three months. They really had no choice if Taylor Swift decides to personally pick a fight. These megastars are deeply ingrained in our culture and language and grow daily as they gain more influence over streaming services. Life in the music industry is much harder for artists who aren't sitting in mansions and fighting Apple. The growing gap between the highest-paying artists and the bedroom musicians give the general public the impression that the average creator is unimaginably wealthy and plays shows to 10,000 people every weekend. This mindset is concerning to me and I've talked with several bedroom and not yet made it artists about their experiences and thoughts in the music industry.
2: The music came to me in, in, uh, in the package of a Christmas present for my grandmother uh, which spurred everything else to come along. And then from there, it moved on its own, mainly just because of the, the area that I'm in. There's so many people where we live that enjoy music and listen to music and uh, are passionate about it. So that when I do go DJ or something like that, I get so many requests and there's so many there's so many people that want to come chat and talk about it, which is fantastic. Because I'm always looking for someone to, to take over gigs that I'm not doing or someone I can recommend to go do stuff if I'm not able to make it.
0: What do you feel like your role like as a DJ is? You know, what do you feel like your your purpose besides just, you know, throwing a crazy party? What do you feel like it is fundamentally?
2: That's that's an interesting question because I'm not going to compete there's plenty of other businesses out there that offer DJs, but at least for my the small business that I run, I mainly think of myself I'm not the main event or main point. Although that you can't have a dance without the music, the real event are the people that are dancing there. So if it was a concert, then it's it's the music provider that is the real bit to the whole thing. But for me, when I go DJ, my my part in the whole process is just to play what people want to hear. And if, I'm sure if you were to talk to some other DJs about that, they would say that doesn't make any sense because you're just letting the kids run it. And if you don't have a good flow and three hour event, you want the peak at the two hour mark or like the hour and a half mark right at the middle. Um, in terms of exciting music or, like, the most most popular. You can still make that happen, but you can do it in a way that allows for a more well-rounded playlist and for more kids to listen to at least one or two songs that they're really excited to listen to.
0: Austin Lewis is a talented DJ in the New England area and started his own small business playing local shows and events. He received $2,000 of seed money several years ago and has been consistently finding places to DJ while he goes to college. His company is called Fox Management and I attended one of his events. It was excellent. If you're in the area and need a DJ, I would recommend. I'm sure he would love the gig. Austin is going into the TV film scene and considers Fox Management a fun side job. His situation touches at some of the fundamental problems for artists in the 21st century. Are we entering an age of semi-pros or amateurs? Will we see the professional musician jobs give way to just talented hobbyists? If Austin's side job paid, say triple the amount, would being a professional DJ be an option for him if only every evening was a weekend night? What I do is I run a label
1: and I never um I never really got into music. I never really got into making music.
0: That's so interesting because normally the people that own these small, independent labels are the people that made music and then they're trying to figure out somewhere like how to get their distribution and publishing rights together
1: yeah exactly and what i wanted to do is because this all started off of a um a small promotional channel called envision sound and then we took that and i wanted to bring it up to to the next level and i took it and i made it to distance records which then was, uh, I would say, my first dive into any type of
0: record label. So you don't do any creative things at all, so you got in this just for the, the distribution side of it?
1: Basically, and what I wanted to do was create a label that people can get their music out there, and we kind of network with other labels to maybe get the name out there for them.
0: What interests me the most with independent artists is the desire to become a superstar. Take the famous line from Juicy by Notorious B.I.G., Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight, time to get paid blow up like the world trade, and later said, I'm blowing up like you thought I would. And what seems like an extension of our desire for influence, artists feel the pressing urge to have their music reach as many people as possible. Are artists optimistic about the future? With streaming services projected to steadily grow, it seems harder for one to be positive about the direction our music consumption is headed. Or maybe we only have one way to look but up. Innovation on music hardware and every other aspect of the music industry is thriving. The streaming service companies are thriving. Hit artists are emerging on SoundCloud within weeks and sometimes days. We're entering a new phase of our culture and music. The most uncertain futures are for the artists.
3: It is definitely evolving. Like, um, I grew up with pop playing in the background, like in the radio and stuff like that. Like, I've never really grown up with electronic music until, like, recently. I can't really say much about how it evolved back when I was young, but I definitely know that trends come and go. Like, remember Trap? Trap was really big and is a bit big now, but now it's, like, future house and future base where I'm coming from, you know? I I wouldn't be nihilistic, but I wouldn't be optimistic either because there's a lot of people that today... They wouldn't have a chance like 10 years ago but because of soundcloud and because of all these new feedback servers these artists are blowing up like crazy it's like we have a new superstar edm producer every week now you know
0: so do you think that trade-off between being able to instantly publish for not actually getting anything back except feedback like is that a trade-off you're willing to take
3: i am struggling to find a label and i Either the quality of me sound is not good enough or they don't like the style. Everyone likes feedback, but I think if people have different ways of getting famous, whether they have something entirely unique, they get a shout out from somebody famous or, or the worst of all, in my opinion, they actually copy other artists, the t- things that are trending so that they trend. That's not something I'm willing to do.
0: So you're not willing to compromise your artistic integrity for the sake of becoming, you know, bigger?
3: No, no, like, cause it won't be fun. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have fun when I make music.
0: Talking with Aiden, who creates electronic music under the alias Tumor Tuner, offered a fresh perspective for me. We live in a world where success is quantified by income and status, and for musician by album sales and SoundCloud followers. What I loved the most about our talk was the way he talked about music as just wanting to do it for fun. Isn't that the whole point of music, to do it just for fun? James, the owner of the independent label, had a very different opinion on what success is.
1: The biggest way it runs right now is what people enjoy, and you have to find what people enjoy. And sometimes that's hard.
0: How would you come at the end of this run or whatever it is, at the end of the company, like if it's still going 50 years from now, what would you consider a success?
1: If people enjoyed your music, and if you enjoy the music that you put out, and they truly enjoy it, that is honestly success. Even if you're just breaking even, but people truly enjoy your music, that is what success is to me.
0: Austin Lewis, the DJ we heard first this week, is the perfect example of the emerging creative who's looking to find his little corner of the music-slash-entertainment scene. Austin is in college right now, and I asked him his feelings on the upcoming decades in the post-internet creative scene.
2: I would have to summarize it with one word, anxious. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that say that same exact thing if they're graduating college soon, in terms of the expectation for you to get a job right out of school, from a university, and to to go do what it is and support yourself and move out of your house and all that. But in terms of the actual industry itself that I'm going to, I know that it's competitive and I know that it requires a lot of effort and self-motivation and and determination. But I think that from my previous experience through sports and through music and through film and through college, I've been able to find find the people that support me enough to be able to go into it. And even if I, I fail and it, it doesn't work out the way that I wanted it to, at least I can say that I tried, um, and I'm not, I'm not one really to give up, even if I get told no a few times. I'm a, I'm a little bit freaked out at the way that the media is working just because it's shifting so quickly, so so fast. A big part of it's connections about who you know and how you're going to get your foot in the door. People that you meet outside of your fields or the people that you do meet inside your field while you're trying to pursue that, those are the people that will help make it easier um, and make you less anxious when you're trying to enter the world that you're, that you think that you want. Obviously, I could be very wrong and in 15 years, I could be doing something totally different, or maybe I will become a full-time DJ. And the only way to find out would be to, to go through it and to fail, to get knocked down, uh, and to meet a bunch of amazing people and some terrible people on the way.
0: How do these artists start? As a society, most people have some experience with a musical instrument, or at least know someone who did. I wanted to hear about the experiences from really passionate artists, so I talked to Jackson the Mus, who lives in New Zealand, about his experience with dubstep for the first
3: time. A few of my friends hooked me up to Skrillex. It's the first time I listened to Dubset, I was really hooked onto it. And also David Guetta. Also, I was uh, kind of fascinated with um, EDM DJing. Got kind of a rough start. <laughs> my mixes
0: as it always was, like, is. Yeah. Bad.
3: At the end of two thousand twelve, I started using LMMS, uh, Linux Multimedia Studio, uh, where you can make your own beats. Do um, FL Studio. I never changed except for my uh, production skills, mixed down, everything. Uh, I, I don't just make electronic music, I play trombone and I know a bit of piano, so I'm I'm a producer. Um, back in primary school, I, I was sort of forced by my mother, me ma, to play in the local band in our school. They gave me a trumpet and they said, all right, just send that guy a trombone and I've been playing ever since. I'm currently playing it in a scholarship in a local university and I am three years away from graduating. Aiden too had an interesting upbringing. Aiden lives in
0: Dublin, and what I loved the most was his philosophy on music creation. Living in Ireland offers a unique worldview and is home to local, working class culture that he tries to capture in his music. He fascinated me with his approach to music creation, talking about the characters that surround him in everyday life and how they influence his music.
3: In my area, there are tons of junkies people who go around, they're smoking weed, they're asking people for change. And, sometime, and, and sometimes they're very nice people, but sometimes they're not very nice people. They usually like look all scrawny. They're skinny. They have this real double accent, like, well, what's the story, pal? You want to get any of the weed? I wanted to put that sort of my own cultural spin on that, on the idea of a drug, of a drug addict in that skinny guy character yeah. that I just told you about. Yeah. And I thought that would not only be original and unique, but it would also harken back to where I came from. There's all sorts of other characters, like I have a fat character who's obese and he's like get picked on, he's bullied, he's very sort of sullen in on on himself, he has a short temper and he makes hip hop beats. This fat guy and that skinny guy sort of meet up and then they make the idea of Tumor Tuner. And that's the type of characters that I want. I want to make a story around my music.
0: The process of creating art wasn't really on the roster for today's episode. But while I was talking to Austin Lewis, it felt like a necessary venture. Austin is an interesting example because he has his foot in several different mediums, he wants to produce TV, and also dabbles in electronic music production. I asked him if he thought people have a natural gift for creativity, if people can be very good at multiple areas of production. I personally feel like this is absolutely the case for athletes. When one person is good at a sport, they have an increased tendency to be good at others.
2: In, in my experience and all the classes that I've taken through college and high school that are related to media and production and, and music and film and all that stuff, I've found that the best people that I've worked with are the most well-rounded, most bizarre people that you'll meet that are totally unrelated to the field that you're interested in can sometimes teach the most about what it is that you're trying to do later. For example, for me, I want to work as a, as a writer a producer or associate producer on, on a TV or film project, but the people that I've met in my music career are those who probably have impacted me the most and taught me the most to be the best at the film and and, and TV projects, Uh, even though those are sort of not related. But I I do think that it's better to know a little bit about each thing than it is to know a whole lot about one, Uh, in my opinion. Obviously, there's plenty of people that disagree with that, but I think that it's it's very important to be able to know what the person next to you is supposed to do.
0: How do artists quantify success? Only the top 0.1% of musicians really make it like, really make it on the scale that we would consider, say, a business person making it. But one of the things that I love about the arts, and we'll touch on this on other episodes this season, is the idea that success has nothing to do with the people consuming the art. It only has to do with the attitude of the musician. Artists play a tricky role where they try to both enjoy the art and try to build a following, and maintaining that balance is where each person differs.
1: The point I want to get to is the point of where I can be that label that is a stepping stone to the next level. We're not the 1%, but once you get to us, you're basically, your next step is that 1%. And yeah, it would be nice to be the 1%, but that's just a very tough goal to to accomplish since it's just been done already before.
3: I would like to be famous. I think everyone, every musician, the 90% would like to be famous, but... I wouldn't trade anything to become famous. Like, if I'd have to trade, like, betraying a friend or selling out or scrambling to get somebody on the radio to play something that I have, I I don't care. I want to have my own set path. Like, I don't want to compromise anything to get famous. Like, if I get famous, that's fine. That's cool. I I, Obviously, I don't mind at all, but I would want it to be through my own work rather than, like piggybacking off of something or compromising something for it.
0: The two different responses intrigued me because they carried completely different philosophies to music and really to life. I don't agree with James attitude towards audience building because I I tend to want to be the very best in everything that I start but I appreciate that he recognizes the need for mid-level success to help artists and build even greater things. I love the authenticity in Aiden's answer, the last one you just heard. But I also think that making it in the competitive music scene does require some degree of ferocity and dedication to the music, even if you're as pure as Aiden would like to be. But
3: then, this isn't about me. At the moment, I'm not financially stable at all, but I'm happy in a way when when I'm online and I'm talking to other producers. And uh, I'm currently connecting with the local youth center so that, like, I have the resources necessary to promote my music in my area. I think that my music is 100% not radio ready. I don't, I'm not even sure if it's gig ready, but I feel good making music and saying, I've done the mixing, mastering, I've done every single thing. And now, and now with my microphone, I can actually do the singing on some of them. So it's like, I can say, I've had fun and I am very happy with the end product.
0: Thanks for listening this week One last funny bit The DJ Austin Lewis at the time of the interview Was just about to play a middle school dance Which to him is a very difficult, hilarious, and awkward gig Stick around after the credits to hear his thoughts on it Crescendo Podcast is written, recorded, produced, mixed, and published by me, Maywood. Every track you hear on the show is my original content, with the exception of the intro and outro track, which was written by Acids and Last Voyage, and published on Distance Records. You hear it everywhere, but it actually does help when you subscribe on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much to Cry2Form, who designed the purple logo. Thanks to John Hargrave, father, blockchain enthusiast, talented chef and slap-bass player for your continued support and encouragement. And thanks to the staff and friends on Cream Dart for the feedback and good vibes. You just listened to half an hour of content that you hopefully enjoyed, and I'll keep the money talk short and sweet. My challenge for you today is this. I don't believe that you will donate some Bitcoin. My challenge for you is to be the person that stands up for independent content creators. Prove me wrong and donate a few dollars of Bitcoin to the address that can be found in my bio on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else. Just copy and paste the address into the send part of your app. Best of luck. Middle school dances are so funny to me. It's just like the entire middle school dynamic like thrown into one dark, loud room. There's a lot of mixed, mixed emotions
2: and struggling and confused children who are all... <laughs> Totally. They're there to have a good. They're all they're there for a good time. So I mean, I'm I'm hoping that I. I'm I'm actually a little bit nervous. I I don't usually get nervous for any of the proms or homecomings or the bigger events, but for this, it's a very specific type of music that I need to pair and to, and to get set up for it. Yeah, but I don't know what to expect, so I'm gonna have to do a little bit more legwork than usual to make sure that I do a good job. I think you got this. It's
3: gonna be great. <laughs> good night, Jim. Uh, good night, Jake.